Zisław Beksinski, the podcast, part one, life. In 2005, Beksinski was murdered by a 19-year-old acquaintance, reportedly because he refused to lend the teenager money. Seven years earlier, his beloved wife, Sofia, died after a long fight with an aortic aneurysm. A year later, his son committed suicide. The events from the life of many artists are often depicted in their art. Think about Paul Gauguin and his life in Polynesia, Salvatore Dali's fascination with Freud, or Toulouse-Lautrec's obsession with prostitutes. Bixinski's art is full of dreamlike projections from his consciousness, fascinated by the apocalypse, darkness, death, and decay. He left behind hundreds of paintings, photographs, and sculptures, all untitled and open to anybody's interpretations. Is his art a prophecy for his personal tragedies? Or did he just masterfully capture the true meaning of human existence? Bixinski was born on the 24th of February, 1929, in Sanok. Although he used to say that this date was not at all certain. Apparently, during the German occupation of Poland during the Second World War, he was given a false year of birth to save him from deportation to Germany to slave labor. During the war, he attended clandestine grammar school, and after the war ended, he wanted to study film and to become a movie director. But his father did not consent, thinking it would not secure his son's future. In line with the family tradition, he made him apply to the Faculty of Architecture and Engineering at the Krakow Polytechnic. He studied there and graduated with a Master of Science, received in 1952. Later in his life, he commented on his choice of architectural studies over art. I hated architecture so much that architecture is a plan, a project, and as boring as a mechanical saw execution. On April 30th, 1951, Bekszynski married Sofia Helena Stankiewicz, and they remained married until her death on September 22nd, 1998. His wife became his muse and he often used her as a principal model, especially in his photographic works. Bekszynski had no formal training as an artist. After completing college, he was obliged to take up a mandatory job assignment, which was then required by the orders of the socialist government. He spent several years away from his hometown Sanok, working on various construction sites as a construction site supervisor. He hated his job, and in spite of the monotony that came with it, he had gradually started realizing his true vocation. He took on sculpting, where he would often use his construction site materials for his medium. After fulfilling his obligatory employment, he returned to Sanok in 1955 and spent a few years working for the Autosan bus and coach manufacturer as a bus designer. But most of his projects, after creating prototypes, 
did not enter into production. When working for Autosan, he started taking painting more and more seriously. He brought brushes and paint from the Autosan paint shop. Setting up a studio at home was a big problem financially, but it didn't stop him from excelling in various art forms. Apart from an immense number of drawings, he also did abstract reliefs and full sculptures. He entered the avant-garde stream, and his exceptionalism started attracting critical attention. In his figural drawings, his aim was a well-nigh drastic kind of expression. Simultaneously, he's followed his calling in art photography. In May of 1957, Bikshinsky set up an informal group of art photographers, and their expositions were soon held in various galleries in Poland. In 1958, Bikshinsky became a member of the Association of Polish Art Photographers, and in 1959, he and his two friends exhibited for the first time abroad at the prestigious gallery in Cologne, Germany. On November 26, 1958, his first and only child was born, a son named Thomas. His son later became a well-known journalist in Poland and also a radio music presenter and translator of English-language film scripts. In 1959, Bikszynski stopped working as an art photographer. The exhibition organized in 1964 in the old Orange House Gallery in Warsaw brought him his first financial success. He sold all the exhibits. He gave up working at Autosan and devoted all his time to art. The next exhibition, organized in 1972, showed a completely different Beksinski. The exhibits were spacious paintings, presenting dismal visions, completely free of abstraction. Years later, he called this his fantastic period, which would last until the early 1980s. In 1977, Bekszynski moved from Sanok to Warsaw, to a third-floor apartment in the industrial Swusef district. He took his leave of Sanok by making a big bonfire in his garden and burning all the work he didn't want to take to Warsaw. In the four-room Warsaw flat, he and his wife looked after their elderly mothers. The cramped conditions made preparing canvases, varnishing pictures once they were dry, and framing them, a very demanding and complicated job. The biggest room was set aside for his studio, with a large desk in the center. The smaller room was their bedroom, and also served as a parlor. The remaining two were used by his mother and mother-in-law. After the two old ladies had died, he turned one of the rooms into a storeroom. Over the next three decades, Bikszynski created his entire artistic output in this Warsaw studio. When he worked there, he always had to have music playing, and he preferred music of 19th and 20th century composers accompanying him at work. In 1984, he established contact with Pyotr Dmachowski, a Parisian art dealer who tried for many years to promote Bikszynski's work in France and Germany. 
Beczynski himself had no part in this and was absolutely indifferent to having his work advertised. The Sanok Historical Museum embarked on a systematic publicity campaign for his work, especially after 1990, arranging over 40 exhibitions in various Polish cities. His first permanent gallery was set up in the newly renovated rooms of Sanok Castle and initially exhibited about 100 of his works. By late 1994, Meksinski was becoming more and more fed up with his contract with the Michowski. Continual mix-ups were making him tense and feeling guilty, unable to cope with the situation in which he was partly dependent on another person. He wanted to be free, even at a cost of financial problems. The decision to break off the contract was maturing. On November 16th, he finally wrote a letter to Demichowski ending the contract. He did not want and was not able to organize his exhibitions and delegated all this business to the director of the Sanok Historical Museum. He never turned up at official events and took no part in artistic affairs or political life. Beksinski suffered from various health problems himself, including obsessive compulsive disorder, but his wife's illness was a particularly traumatic experience for him. In November of 1995, doctors diagnosed her with an aortic aneurysm, which brought about her death on September 22, 1998. For him, those years marked by the impending tragedy were full of anxiety. He loved his wife very much and could not imagine life without her, but knew he would have to manage somehow. On Christmas Eve of 1999, his beloved son Thomas committed suicide. Although Bixinski initially wanted a daughter, he loved his son very much, and the suicide death of his son was a tragedy for him and left an unfulfilled void in his life. The artist was left on his own. He devoted his last years to painting and computer art Though his friends used to visit him from time to time, he felt that no one could fill the void left by his dear ones. In 2001, he drew up his last will and testament, making the historical museum in Sanok his sole beneficiary. He made several visits to his hometown to settle the renovation of the family tomb and for promotion events held in Sanok Castle of albums of his work published by Polish publishing house Bosch. He hated leaving his flat, yet he kept returning to Sanok, pinning his hopes on this city for the safeguarding of his work. In the evening of February 21, 2005, Zysław Bixinski was murdered in his Warsaw flat by a teenage son of his caretaker, reportedly because he refused to lend him money. Hundreds of people attended his funeral in Sanok, all artworks and archival materials left in the Warsaw apartment were passed to the Sanok Museum, making it famous for the world's largest selection of Bixinski's works. Despite his passing, Bixinski's art lives on and is adored by art lovers all over the world. Countless artists have been inspired by Bixinski 
and its influences are often present in contemporary films, music, especially rock music, and video games. One of his admirers is the famous Mexican film director and Oscar winner for the Best Picture in 2017, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro has been quoted as saying, in the medieval tradition, Beksinski seems to believe art to be a forewarning about the fragility of the flesh. Whatever pleasures we know are doomed to perish. Thus his paintings manage to evoke at once the process of decay and the ongoing struggle for life. They hold within them a secret poetry stained with blood and rust. This episode, which is part of a five-part podcast series, was produced and edited by Cesari Lersky and Diginet. The text is based on Vyaslav Banach's essay, Used with Permission, from the Historical Museum in Sanok, Poland, and Bosch Publishing House. Text read by Phil Shane. All music was composed and edited by Andrea Centazzo. All rights reserved. For more, please visit www.beksinski.gallery. Albums with Beksinski's art and reproductions of his paintings are also available at Amazon.com.